always feel it's important that we don't suddenly stop now the, this has come out that that comes out because it stops my hands shaking and juggling all the things but it's also it can be a bit of a barrier so as soon as i've got it there i walk away from it and uh, uh, there are no overheads or videos or anything else today it's only me sharing so um, i hope that's okay and let's not lose what god's been doing this morning because it has been phenomenal and uh, I feel like I've come up here with empty hands anyway, which is uh, <laughs> not a bad place to be. I've done all the preparation, I've done all the reading, I've done all the words, I've, I've got all my notes in my little notebook. But in the end, it's what's God, what is God doing at the moment? And uh, I just wanted to share, I've got two things. It's, it's, it's an interesting sort of place to be because we're doing this, this sort of dual... Um, teaching series. We're doing 1 Thessalonians, classic Bible study if you like, and we're also going through Brian Heasley's book, Be Still. And so this is the, this is the third week since we started that. And so I've got two things to follow. I've got the first uh, 1 Thessalonians talk, which will also nick some of my verses. Thanks, Andy. And uh, and Keith's wonderful talk last week, um, which included the story, one of my favourite stories in the Bible, the, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well and Jesus' interaction with her. And so I've been, I've been thinking about both those, those things as I've done my preparation. And uh, what I want to do is, is start with some, what might seem like disconnected thoughts, but they're not. I promise you they're not disconnected, they're all um, interwoven, uh, certainly in my mind and I think in, in the way that God's been speaking with us this morning. Over there we've got our, our three um, mottos, if you like, look on the face of Christ, love everyone we meet and live like heaven is near. And I started off by thinking about the first one, look on the face of Christ and thinking, okay, it's a brilliant thing to do but how on earth do you actually do it and the only answer I've got to that is you have to engage your imagination um, and I think sometimes as, as Christians we, we fight shy of imagination because it seems a dangerous thing and you can imagine lots of stuff which isn't helpful but actually it's a God-given thing and our imagination allows us to engage in some of the things that Jesus said to us. And uh, so bear that in mind. And then think about the story of the woman in the at the well. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, you'd have asked me for a drink. And I would have given you a drink. And we talk about drinking from Jesus. Jesus says, anyone thirsts? He's, I mean, he stands up at a feast in Jerusalem and says, anyone, anyone thirsty, come to me and I'll give you a drink. Okay, what does that look like? What, that, what does that actually mean? He wasn't handing out glasses of water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And Pete's having a drink now. Absolutely brilliant. But again, if we engage our imaginations, we can start thinking about, okay, God has said, come to me and I'll give you a drink. So why not have a drink? And I just 
felt that God wanted me to say, before I start talking about 1 Thessalonians and start sounding like a serious preacher, why don't we have a drink? Right now, if you need to close your eyes to help the imagination, that's fine. But have a drink. Some people find it easier to actually lift, lift an imaginary glass and have a drink. Others might just need to imagine it. If you've got a drink, have a drink of whatever you've got, but imagine it's the drink from heaven. Father, I just pray that as we, as we drink right now, just take a drink from you, that we will receive from you what it is that you want us to receive in that drink. Father, thank you that when Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty, he was talking about being thirsty for you, thirsty for more of you, and he will give you. So Father, we receive a drink from you right now. We drink in your spirit. I had some friends who used to wander around. They actually put drinking straws in their Bibles. And it was only for a short period of time that they did that, but it was just a, a reminder that they were constantly wanting to drink in the Word of God. And uh, that might sound trivial and so on. And it, you don't have to do it. But it was a huge reminder uh, of what God had said to them about drinking in his word on a daily basis. I'm wearing my red shoes again this morning. Um, for those of you uh, who are new, or visiting, or may have been absent when I last spoke wearing them, uh, I had a dream, and in the dream I was wearing red shoes and preaching the gospel, so when I put them on, they're not magic shoes. I mean, some people want to touch them. Isn't it bizarre? I mean, you know, they're red shoes. What they do mostly is remind me that I'm wearing red shoes because I am absolutely committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus. So they, they help me. So that's drinking. Breathing, that's another one. The breath of God. Every time you inhale, you can just imagine that that is actually the breath of God, that is the Holy Spirit that you're breathing in. Paul prayed that this very morning for me, that uh, I've been inhaling the breath of God. Father, we just pray that every breath that we take, we can be reminded that we breathe in your Holy Spirit. And last but not least, there's a song that we sing that I deliberately said I didn't want to sing this morning because I didn't want it just to be glib. And, uh, and that's, he brought me to his banqueting table. Aha. Okay, he brought us to his banqueting table. Now everyone's been excited about Pub in the Park this week and sharing food and drink with their friends and, and having a good time. And yet we sing quite happily that he's brought us to his banqueting table and his banner over us is love. Uh, we can feel the love of God in this place. And we do it quite religiously a lot of the time. <laughs> we just sit there and you think, this is a, he's brought us to his banqueting table, so can you imagine the food? Can you imagine the spread that's in front of you? And it's for all of us to enjoy together. It's not just, it's not a Putin and... Uh, 
and the French president at opposite ends of a 12-foot table and there's God and there's a banquet in front of us and it's only got a couple of things on it. It's a table that's absolutely heaving with good things that God wants for us and it's for all of us to enjoy. So imagine it now. If, if, if you want to, while I'm talking, while I talk about 1 Thessalonians, keep, keep eating and drinking, keep breathing in the presence of God. Because all of this is connected. This is not suddenly, right, we stop, I stand up, I preach something from Thessalonians, and it's wonderful. It's, it's all part of life. And unless we engage with this, when, when we go out and do preach the gospel to people who've never heard it before, we need to be, as Al said, with empty hands in one way, but in another way, we need to be absolutely confident that we've drunk in, that we've breathed in, that we are... We are God's messengers in, in the world and that we are carrying this very life that people so need. Thank you. I didn't realise how small this thing is. I've got, I've, I've got the other Bibles, of course. I've got all the other ones on my phone, but uh, I'm going to leave that where it is. So, why did I feel that I needed to start with that? Well, let, let's, let me just say one more thing. Um, since I've been having my, my treatment, for, uh, which is over 18 months now, I think, since I was... Well, no, it's 17 months since I was diagnosed with, uh, with a cancer, um, which is still responding to treatment, and I'm thrilled to bits with that. And uh, as people have... Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Father. Um, I've, in between times, I feel better than I felt for a, a very long time. But I've probably had more blood tests than I ever dreamt I would need in an entire lifetime. And every time they ask a simple question, are you keeping hydrated? <laughs> so just as a final thought about the drinking, in physical terms, we're always told we don't drink enough. We're always told that we need to keep hydrated for our own health. Well, let me just say, spiritually, it's true as well. So remember that thing. It's good to keep hydrated, and it's good to keep asking God, uh, can I have a drink? Because he never says no. There's always more. So, 1 Thessalonians. I've enjoyed reading this, actually, over the last... This Bible's fallen into bits. Andy very helpfully actually did give me a lead in by uh, quoting the first few verses of chapter 2, which is where we've got up to. So Paul is writing to a, a, a newish church in Thessalonica, um, having had a report from Timothy about how well they're doing, because uh, he's moved on. He's, he's had, had to move on more than once um, because of riots and dissension and, and what have you, and his message has continue to go <clears throat> to go out so he's had this um, this encouraging message that the, the church in Thessalonica is doing well and uh, so he starts uh, 
first of all, by, by saying, uh, have they become a model to other believers around uh, the rest of Macedonia? And then he says, you know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. That's the place where he and Silas were, were banged up in prison um, before they cottoned on that he was a Roman citizen and uh, panicked. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so that they, came, they came fresh off the fact that they'd been beaten within an inch of their lives and been imprisoned, which of course is, is always the incentive you need to go somewhere else and say, let's do it again. <laughs> Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can uh, upset some more people. No, they didn't. They went. They went straight to the synagogue. And in fact, until until Paul had gone beyond Athens, which was two moves later, uh, his basic thing was always to go to the synagogue and to go to the to the Jews uh, who were scattered all all over the area already, and to as it says in uh, Acts 17, which is a very useful thing, if you haven't read anything from Acts 17, go there because it gives you the information about what was happening in Thessalonica. And I went there to find out what it was, what the message was um, that Paul had been giving. It only says that he was there for three Sabbaths, which is why um, most people tend to agree that whatever their missionary endeavour was in Thessalonica, it didn't last very long, uh, not least because all that had to happen was word that they were there, got back to where they'd already been in Philippi, and then the, um, the mob followed them and stirred up trouble again. And so uh, <clears throat> the chances are they weren't there very long. And yet Paul is absolutely amazed that you've got a church that's thriving, that seems to be following everything that they would have hoped that they would be following, but becoming an example to other churches and other uh, groups of believers around the place. And yet, uh, what input had he had? I mean, crumbs, our teaching series is going to last longer than three Sabbaths. And yet here we've got an, a group of people who've been completely transformed by what Paul had to say. So I went back and had a, a quick look in, in Acts. And... Uh, his teaching there was very straightforward. He, it says he went to the scriptures and he proved from the scriptures and reasoned with the, with the people in the synagogue that Jesus was the Christ, that he had to suffer, and that he was raised from the dead. Is it? Thank you. No list of sins to avoid, no list of things they needed to put right in their lives before they said. The basic message of the gospel, our God has done everything necessary to reconcile us to him. And that is the message of the gospel. And the great thing about Paul and Silas and his, his team was that they were so confident in that message they didn't worry about anything. And I think that's, that's the challenge to us, is, is that we've got to be more confident in the message of the gospel and of the Holy Spirit to sort out things that we would like to see changing people's lives, but which aren't our responsibility. Maybe that has something to do again with laying down stuff, not carrying stuff we're not meant to carry. 
Of course we'd like to see people change, but for decades, maybe longer than that, um, part of the evangelical thing was that we needed to sort people's lives out. And in fact, you started sorting people's lives out in order that they could receive the gospel. And, you know, we've, we've got to understand that God is well able to change people's lives. And he has given us the message of reconciliation. He has not given us the message of sorting people's lives out. I've lost my notes now. So the thing that Paul and Silas and his team did in Thessalonica was preach that simple message, reason from the scriptures. So they were in the synagogue and they were still speaking mainly to Jews. But it says that there were God-fearing Greeks and there were not, not, not a few um, influential women. Now, we have, again, that sounds almost a bit sort of, um, that's a bit condescending, isn't it? But actually that's extremely important to understand that they were, they were preaching a gospel that didn't just go to the men in the synagogue. It went out, and it went out to the God-fearing Greeks, and it went out, which means anybody else actually and and uh, and and into the uh, the women of the community who actually are probably 10 times better at communicating with their friends and the people that they're influential with than than a lot of the men are so uh, again the message went out very simply but it went out in such a short space of time and they were really confident in it but what they then did was just integrated themselves with with the people they worked hard i think probably possibly a bit of tent making i don't know but um, that's the most likely thing i would think that they did what they could do they said they weren't going to be a burden to the people they were going to um, just work hard and love it says they love like a mother like a father they really got alongside people and showed that they cared and they loved I think three times in a very short space in, 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 the, in the book, in the letter, as it is, um, Paul says, dear, dear brothers and sisters, I mean, crumbs, if he's only, only been with them a matter of weeks, he's absolutely engaged with them. He's absolutely devoted to them, praying for them on a regular basis and so on. And he said, we did nothing out of guile. We didn't try and trick you into anything. We just told you the very simple story. We just told you with confidence and with boldness that we know that this Jesus is the Son of God. He's the anointed Son of God that you were expecting, you Jews. And that God has proved the reconciliation by raising him from the dead. That's it. And we need, to, as I said, to be really confident in that. So then he then blesses them, praises them for the fact that they have been influential in uh, teaching other people around the place that their story has gone out. But also that they have, as he said, been imitated the church in Judea, which has already suffered from its own kind, uh, having people turn on it and... and effectively kick out Paul but also um, there was persecution coming in Jerusalem and, and 
the situation in Jerusalem was getting worse. The Romans were beginning to get fed up with these pesky, pesky Jews. And uh, of course, we're not, we're not far short of the sacking of the, of the temple. Uh, and Paul sort of alludes to the fact that uh, the Jews in Jerusalem who were opposing God were bringing things down on their own heads. Um, and that was quickly coming to a conclusion. So, last thing I just want to say is about this imitation thing. And again, I go back to the red shoes, go back to other things. The, the word um, in the Greek, mimites, which means anything from a mimic to a follower. And actually, in, in translation, the word follower is more often that imitator um, than anything else. When Paul talks about followers and imitators, it's the same word. So my last thing is just to say, who are you going to imitate? Paul was very clear that he was an imitator of Jesus. And he said, be in other letters, he says, be imitators of me as I imitate Jesus. So what does that mean? Dress like him? Try and sound like him? Try and do the same things he does? See, the last week Al said very clearly um, about God having spoken to him about being who he was and bringing what he brings. And that's all I can do. And I'm not an Al. And I don't do the stuff he does. I'm not an Andy and I don't do the stuff he does. Uh, I can only be me. And that's fine. I wear red shoes sometimes. So if you're going to imitate me, do you have to wear red shoes? Exactly. Good, good response. That's, that's the whole point. But there's so many people who try and imitate by doing what they see done rather than understanding what they see done and imitating that. So my, as I say, my final thing is to say, let's be imitators of Jesus, who himself said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So we start right at the beginning. If God isn't doing it, we don't want to be doing it. We don't want to be imitating someone else who thinks they're doing it. We don't any of that stuff. We want to be pure and simply following our Lord, following his lead. And that brings me neatly back to the imagination because we need to keep using our imaginations to let God speak to us about what he's doing. And imagining other people receiving the gospel, imagining ourselves in situations where we are speaking the truth, imagining that sort of stuff is a healthy place to be. It's not living in cloud cuckoo land. It's beginning to open ourselves up. If you can imagine it, you can ask God to speak into it. And he can bring life into it. And it can become reality. So, a bit of a waffle, I'm afraid, but... Uh, It's the best I could do today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask Al if you wanted to say anything on the back of that, but I didn't think, no, fine, that's, that's great. Um, so I don't think it's something that requires a response now. I'm very happy to pray with anybody who wants uh, prayer at the end, but uh, I've finished.
I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to sit down, have a real drink of water. <laughs> <laughs>